I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I, I released music with Hudson Taylor for, for, for the guts of 13, 12, 13 years. It's my entire yeah. life. The last album that we released... I'm so happy with it. Genuinely, it's the most happy I've ever been about anything creative that we've ever done. And I'm sad that we didn't get to kind of tour it properly that much. And yeah, the pandemic really took a hit on us and it's been really tough. It was been really tough to kind of keep it going as a business. Um, I don't want to have the thing of like, I regret this. I should have done more. I'm not going to be a perfectionist, mm. but at the same time, I don't want to release something until I'm like, no, I'm happy with this. This this is my statement of intent. This is where I mean to go out from here. Hello and welcome to A Life in Dublin. I'm your host, Mark, and with your permission, we'd love this podcast to be your digital companion for the next little bit at least. Harry Hudson Taylor is a musician from Dublin, currently based in Berlin, who along with his brother Alfie took their music all around the world and lived a life that one might typically think of when dreaming of the rock and roll lifestyle. We could chat a bit about these experiences, but this conversation is more about the different personal journeys that Harry has been on, both in terms of his career and his search for a deeper and more authentic sense of being. I hope you'll appreciate the honesty that Harry offers in this chat, and I'd personally like to thank him for giving us the time for a conversation that I really enjoyed. In the description of this episode, you'll find links to Harry's socials, including a link to Ladybird Lad, a new solo project which Harry has put together. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can check out our brand new Patreon page at patreon.com slash life in Dublin. And now here's my conversation with Harry. Yeah, actually, um, it's funny with the English teaching thing, because, yeah, I'm living in Berlin at the moment and I have been here for basically since the start of the pandemic. So my three year anniversary is coming up. It's pretty much in the next few days when, when I landed mm. where I decided I was here exactly when it was like, oh, lockdowns are happening. And I was like, right, cool. I'm just going to stay here then. But mm. I'm now trying to like settle here a bit more because, and it's, that's really tough. Like, I, you know, I was kind of holding on to still being in, in Ireland because it was coming back and forth and, um, and I'm trying to settle here now. But one of the things I'm doing is I'm working 
couple of things. I'm working in a cafe, which is a, a new thing for me because it just did music from straight from school, straight into Hudson Taylor, straight into making music. And I didn't stop really until about six months ago. And the other thing I'm doing, speaking of languages thing is I'm going to be teaching at a language farm, like a kind of camp for kids. Okay. Yeah, like once Amazing. a month, once a month, every month, starting from April until October. <clears throat> so that's kind of cool. So I'm doing an orienteering for that orientation rather for that, uh, at the end of this month. Um, and I'm going to be, they, 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 I get the lavish title of music master. <laughs> oh, nice. Basically it's like campfires and stuff like that. Good teaching, teaching kids tunes and teaching them English or not even necessarily. It's not that formal. Like it's actually just, you're there and you're speaking English and that's, yeah. you don't really like there's activities all organized. So, you know, I guess I'm going to learn about it, but I'm excited about it. And it's just interesting to do something different. Just get totally stepping out of my com- comfort zone into uh, you know, something like that, you know? When you say that you're, you're, you're kind of trying to settle in Berlin or you're coming into this process of settling there, what does that look like for you? Is that, try, you know, making new friends? Is that creating a new community or? So the community aspect, I think that I'll get to that. I mean, that's, I'll, I'll happily talk about that. Mm. Um, I heard you speaking with, with Kui Debarra, mm. um, you know, interesting to just um, uh, piggyback on some of the things that she was talking about. But basically what I mean by settling here is like getting registered here. Like Germans mm. love paperwork. They love um, bureaucracy. Like, and I've never had to do so much paperwork in my life. I just wanted to get a job yeah. at a cafe and it's like, right, have you got your social security number? No, not that one. <laughs> type of tax number you need your freelance tax number you need this it's like 20 different types of tax numbers and <laughs> just absolute insanity and uh i i i'm terrified of that stuff like i'm not uh, I, basically i went from mum to manager from school into mm. again i said that again and it's like because the thing about it was like i just didn't have to become an adult really because it was like you're in a band and you're just getting a tour manager it was basically my my de- tour dad you know and it's like here's your pdf this is what you're doing you're going here you're going there your manager's booking you all this stuff and so i, I didn't learn how to adult you know i'm 30 years old and this is the first time i've had a doing a normal job but when i mean what i mean by settling in germany is like yeah letting go of like the idea that i can be resident in ireland and germany at the same time i can't <laughs> so, yeah, yeah out like I can't I have to pay my taxes somewhere and it's like this 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 kind of stuff just formally yeah just, fuck it I'm gonna just give it a go I'm I'm learning the language I'm learning German like I'm not you know I'm not just doing Berlin and pretending like it's all good I can't I've survived really well just hardly speaking too much German I have leave insert level German and I've done a bit more practice more recently and I've gotten my thrown myself into the deep end and working in a cafe where I thought Oh, you speak in English a bit. Not, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I, mean. I imagine. I imagine it's a bit of a, yeah, a shock to the system. I, first of all, I will say that um, I I didn't have a tour manager or, you know, when I was just out of school and all the rest, but I still struggle with all of that stuff. So uh, I wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself. It's, it's, yeah, it can be painful. Yeah. I'm proud of myself because I I didn't, think I was capable of doing simple tasks like 
oh yeah, you have to do this, go get an appointment for this type of stuff. Just scared the life out of me, especially doing it all through German. But it's been grand. People around me are really helpful. And uh, yeah, it does give you like <laughs> a sense of like, yay, I'm an adult. <laughs> Got some kind of brownie, I should get some brownie points. Someone give me a pat on the back and tell me that I'm amazing and, and I'm doing great. And I don't even need anyone to do that because I'm doing it for myself. I'm going, well done, Harry. Well done. <laughs> Um, I'm interested to know a little bit about like if you could take me back to the moment where first of all probably going back a long time to when you were quite young I imagine but to to when you wanted to be a musician okay so that's that's the first step I guess and then the second step would be the day or the moment or the conversation where holy shit I am a professional musician so maybe you could kind of describe those two moments to me and how it happened sure thing i mean as you can probably imagine it doesn't condense down to a particular moment as a romantic yeah. feel, like to be able to say at uh, this moment exactly is when it happened mm. um, it's just it really is it just doesn't end up being that simple but the way i do tell the story is kind of like you know one minute that there was this the next minute there was that so around the time of like t- school teenage school sort of time uh, i went to boarding school it was in in mullingar in westmead mm, okay uh, um it was a weekly kind of boarding system so i'd go on a sunday night on the train from Connolly down to mullingar and then i come back on a friday and so all i did that for five years um you know first year to fifth year there was no transition year but Basically, it was a music scholarship sort of thing. I was kind of doing extracurricular music um, at the school. And I was actually <laughs> trying to be an organ scholar of all things. I was going to be like a church organ scholar. Oh. Um, I was an absolute um, messer. Like I just would go into the church organ and play like House of the Rising Sun. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, wasn't <laughs> I wasn't a very serious taking it very seriously um there's a lot of shit going on at home and alfie my brother he was back in dublin mm. and i guess we must have been around 15 or 16 he wasn't playing music at that time like he'd hardly picked up the guitar and he but he was singing and so i came back to dublin every weekend and i guess the summer of 2000, 2008 uh we started making music together kind of more formally uh We'd done the odd thing here and there before that, like aged 12, 11, 12, 13, 14. I, one time we we um, we uh, submitted some cover songs for a, a national radio competition. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. doing little things like that. Um, but yeah, about 15, 16 years old, um, we took the guitar with us on a, on a family holiday, basically started playing tunes on the beach to a lot of tourists. And that was kind of the foundation point of the thing. And that's okay. summer of 2008. Didn't really think much of it, to be honest, except that the couple of people that were there told us in 2008, you should, you should make YouTube videos so we don't forget you guys. You know, put these, these mm. put these cover songs up that you be, that you were doing on for us on the beach, which to be honest, we just learned these things on the, on the spot. We were reading chords off uh, online and just kind of, you know, we were there for 10 days and we would kind of, people would ask us to learn certain songs and we'd go and learn them in the campfire, in the campsite that we were staying in, internet cafe, you know, learn, learned for whatever song, or we knew a couple of Beatles songs and 
who came home then from that and started putting stuff up on YouTube. And that was kind of the inception of the whole duo thing, making music. Mm. Really didn't think much of it, to be honest, except that it was kind of cool to see, oh my God, we're getting some views here. And you could already tell like, oh, there's some views from Germany. There's some views from Italy. There's, oh, there's, these are, they must be from the people who, uh, you know, told us to make the videos. And so we did that. 2008 as well as like really YouTube hadn't really kicked off at that point. Um, it was a very strange, strange place. It almost like looked like web 1.0. Do you know what I mean? Looking yeah. weird looking. But anyway, we put stuff up, kept doing that. And for about a year, every time I come home from school um, at the weekends, we would do another video. And after about a year, started doing original songs and then started going busking in Grafton Street. And the two of us that's how we made money basically it was in 2008 2009 2010 it's like the recession in ireland yeah. that, that recession and i was just coming out of school mm. alfie was in fourth year and the videos caught the attention of some people in london and uh or like a friend of a friend passed a video on or something like this mm. people came over and wanted in the space of a week we had this mad week we were out busking we were out with our mates um Tiger Walsh Pilo, uh, Ferdy or Machine Walsh Pilo, the two brothers, um, who ended up being m- members of the band, uh, the like session musicians the whole time, and we were busking all the time. And, and this one one particular week, we got an email from MCD, we got an email from Polydor Records in London, wow, and an email from uh, people who wanted to manage us. So wow, how that happened? Somebody must have passed it on, um, the, and and it was really like. We didn't know anything. We were so super naive, Six, 18, 17 and 18. No idea. What the hell does an A&R man mean? Didn't literally mm-hmm. didn't know anything about the music industry. We were just busking and making, making pocket money. That's literally what we were doing. And so we had to ask help. We had to ask for people's help and assistance. And, and you know, we got these managers came over from London and we, we and uh, they brought us they brought us there. You know, the, the the short the long and short of it is like effectively we went from just being buskers to like oh, these people are interested in working with us and they think that we've got something and we think we've got something and let's just do something. Let's follow the whatever it is. Let's go to my, my mum and dad were like, cool. Yeah, go do your thing. That sounds great. A little bit concerned about my brother leaving school early and they just. Yeah, left. of course. And we just left, we left Ireland in 2010, 11, we, we left for London at like 19 and 18. And we lived in London for six years. And, and, you know, I can go into the details of that if you want, but basically at some point along the way, I'd say 2012, the moment where, where, where I was like, or 2011 or 12, I was like, oh, right now I'm a professional musician. That's what I'm doing. Do you know? But it sounds incredibly organic. Um, like it just i don't want to say it just happened but maybe your your talent aligned with what you were doing i mean the fact that you said you said earlier on that you know you you were playing some songs for tourists and you were just learning the songs as you went along but you obviously had the talent to do that and the talent to execute that because you know i've often played an an l song on the acoustic guitar before but it doesn't come out of my mouth and guitar the way it is in my head. So it, it obviously there was something there that was aligning very well for you. There's something, there's something about 
mine and my brother's voice, I think, as well. That was yeah. locked in. He's he's got a very like strong, um, tonally strong and kind of voice that just cuts through really nicely, and and then I have a little bit more of a mellower kind of softer thing, and the two of them together make this really beautiful combined sound and we naturally just fell into that Alfie has a little bit of a higher voice so he tended to do the melodies and then I was tending to do the harmonies Mm. Uh, and we just fell into that pattern and we were you know inspired by you know classic old age stuff like the Everly Brothers and Simon and Garfunkel and nice the Kings of Convenience and the Laz and all this kind of stuff that was um you know classic classic music um, but mm-hmm. also just super influenced by just whatever was in the charts at the time. We were buskers. We were playing all the the hits of the time, you know. Um, still remember, like, all the songs that were in the charts in 2008, 9, and 10. I can still play them all. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is bizarre uh, to think, you know. And some of them still stand the test of time. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I At that time, it was around that time I used to kind of be more into playing a little bit of guitar and stuff like that. And the sad thing is I, I don't I don't play at all anymore. But you know what if you're ever kind of in that moment where someone passes around a guitar and you're like, okay, what song will I play? And it goes back to one of those songs from like 2005. And mm-hmm. it it really is starting to date me at this point where all of the songs I know are like, I don't know, whether it's bloody the killers or or a Franz Ferdinand song or something like that. Um it's uh it's a bit shocking to be perfectly honest, but anyway, I, um, I'm the guy that when those tunes come on and a and a karaoke night or whatever, or just even just they're on, and I'm like, and, pe- and people look to me because they're like, oh my god, he knows all the words. <laughs> <laughs> what he knows the third verse? <laughs> How does he know the whole the whole lyrics of of Mr. Brightside, every single word? Yeah. <laughs> um. How did you deal with like? How did you manage yourself during that time when you were you were shipped off to London with this? I imagine, I imagine there was ego there. I imagine there was excitement. I imagine you felt almost invincible, um, especially at that age. Um, if I'm not wrong, your your parents were self employed, so maybe you saw like how they were able to time manage their themselves. There was nobody giving them directions and stuff like that. Is that something that you picked up on and were able to kind of put a discipline onto yourself or it was just complete chaos? Sorry, I'm cracking up there. Um, just <laughs> my parents being organized in any way, shape or form. I don't think so. They're, they're just, uh, yeah. And I wouldn't have understood them to be self-employed, but I suppose that's what they were. And um, they are, they still continue to be in some sense, like, you know, our dad was away a lot of the time. Our mum was a yoga teacher. Mm. There wasn't much consistency, do you know? The one thing that yeah. was consistent was the inconsistency, I would say, in the family home. You know, it was a lot of dysfunction is the way that I think of it now. You know, I've done a lot of work around it, a lot of healing work around it. But I, th- I don't think that, would... like, they obviously did something good for us because they gave us some kind of tenacity to keep working and, 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 you know, they were supportive in the sense of sending us, letting us go to London and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't see, you know, yeah, not to be an, a moaner about it or anything like that, but I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of the best traits came like the best organizational traits came through from my friend, mm. from 
our parents, you know, and I can't speak for my brother. I know he has a different, he might have a different view on that, but mm. like, me at least, um, I don't think I got, I got obviously great, some great stuff, but I think a lot of the stuff I learned came through other mentors in around me, other, other people, other family members, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, producers, people who I now think of as like really important, like older brother figures sometimes, um, yeah. that type of thing. Uh, you know, they were doing their best. Parents were doing their best um, with whatever they tools they had, but I wouldn't necessarily have called them role models <laughs> for, mm. for, you know, for organizational means. Yeah. Mm. So then when you, when you did get to London, was that like, did you, you didn't know what to do with yourself then or who was telling you what to do or. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was kind of mad. We were living in a, me and Alf and his partner, Gabrielle, who's still with now, um, we were living in a little flat in North London, like in the arse end of nowhere. Like it's literally mm. called Arnos, Arnos Grove and it's at near the end of the Piccadilly line. Like Cockfosters is the, which we always loved the name of that, you know. <laughs> um, we were at the end of the Piccadilly line, basically in this place. And the first year that we were there, year and a half, like it was like proper, you know, hardcore like really struggling to make the rent that wasn't even that expensive like it was like mm. three pounds or something like that each that was the rent or um we would find it really hard we were living off tins of big be- tins of baked beans like proper you had to do that the hard graft and uh <laughs> the only other job i actually ever had before recently um working in a cafe but recently before that job was like 19 and i was working as a a pub crawl guide for an entire year. Nice. <laughs> Let's bring in uh, tourists to pubs in Leicester Square. And, you know, when <laughs> I say pub, you say crawl, pub crawl, you know, it was like. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And with tourists who had uh, colored or white t-shirts with colored markers that they were all drawing all over each other. And it was, it was mad crack. Absolutely mad. I imagine, I imagine there's some stories from, from within that job in and of itself. Yeah. So the first year or so was, was difficult in in terms of actually, you know, financially and everything else that goes with it. Yeah. Um, that's sometimes like, I I don't, I, I don't know what that would be like as a, as a younger person. Um, I have the experience of, of, I I used to run my own uh, language school. Hmm. Um, my fiance, she runs her own, own business, which is, uh, she does vintage clothing or secondhand clothing. Um, but both of these, you know, very small little businesses, but at the beginning, you, it is hard graft and it's difficult and you're not making very much money. And then you kind of have to ask yourself the question, is this worth it? Yeah. You know? especially I'm now 33 years old. So I really have to be asking myself that question almost every 10 minutes. Um, I guess as when you're younger, that's different. There's probably, a, and, and also you, you had so much, um, I guess, credit given to you from, from whether it be labels or, you know, people wanting to manage you. So I guess it was those things that, inspired you to to keep keep the fight going yeah there's a couple of a couple of ladies we worked with these these two english um women who were managing us um at the time and they were 
they were like our mothers. They became like the, you know, our guiding force in, in the whole thing. Um, and basically got us, got us signed, you know, that we, we, we mm. spent a year, the first year and a half in London doing bits of writing and recording. Um, put, you know, to put us in with different people. Um, actually, this is where we met. We met Danny O'Reilly there through mm. them hilariously. Like, uh, and it took us, it took us moving to London, um, to work with some English people to meet Danny O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we actually wrote some, some songs with him early on, like when we were just, again, at that time, probably 20 and 19 and 20. And, um, yeah, we just followed whatever they were telling us to do. This is what you should do. Try this, do this. We'll get you some photos done. We'll, you're going to have dinner with this person from this record label, you know, just be yourself. Um, you know, just be your happy-go-lucky self, and and that's that's what we did. We just followed. I mean, it feels kind of all surreal and mad. You know, that type of age is just you're just taking everything in, kind of start like starry-eyed. We were like, I certainly was not wise at the time of any. I like, couldn't have possibly been. It was just like, cool. Everyone's up for us. There, everyone. You know, there was a little bit of stuff. Now looking back, where I go, oh my god, we kind of got a bit fucked over. Like we were too naive. <laughs> uh, we yeah. Were, Naive and um, but you don't like this. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't bother with being sort of regretful about any of it because it was so much. Was so much fun. Um, ultimately, you know. Um, and you were so young, man. Like, let, let's be honest. It's mad. It's mad. If I see little nineteen and twenty year olds going around now, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy, you know. Yeah. You think you're the bee's knees, but you're you're just you really do. Mm. Pretty too young to even understand anything. Like, there's that old cliche. I remember people, you know, would be saying to you at the, when you're that age. And I obviously was in a very different situation. I was very much a kind of normal, just going to college at that age, but whatever. Um, and this the cliche of like, oh, when you're young, you think you know everything. And I remember when I, when I was 18, I was like, no, no, like that can't be true. I mean, I'm, I'm an adult now. I've done the leave insert. I do know a lot of stuff, but yeah, looking back, like I was a complete idiot, like utter idiot. Um, again, I mean that in a nice way to myself, but it, there was just so much, I guess, emotional learning that I needed to do so much life experience that I needed before you can really say that you're a competent person. Yeah. Um, like really at, eight, at, eight, at 18 years old, you're almost just like, you can tie your shoes and, and write an essay in English. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And and now as you get older, you just start to realize, you know, nothing. You're just like, yeah, more, every day goes by. I'm like, I, I really know. I think I know things, but I, I, I don't actually know anything. And there's so much freedom in that. I love not knowing. It's amazing. Well, it's weird because in my twenties, I, uh, I went down for whatever reason, I went down the real kind of rational mindset, the the scientific mindset is like, you know, if it can't be proven, it's not real and all of this kind of stuff. And and I guess spirituality and all of these things. And, you know, I would have grown up in that kind of made to go to church, uh, typical household, but never really believing it. Um, and then, but I think at the same time, there was something inside me that did leave something but I couldn't rationalize it or I couldn't figure it out 
And when I was younger, I, I had the experience of, um, you know, my, my parents at, at different times when I was 18 and 24, they passed away um, through different, for different reasons. But I remember there was a priest who was like close to the family or, you know, like I did all the funerals and weddings and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and I remember I actually was, I was made writing a letter to him about how this whole God thing and all of this stuff is, is absolute bollocks. Right. And I didn't send it thankfully because it was just, uh, it was an, an out of anger thing. But now I'm, I'm coming back around to all of that stuff just because of what you said, because of the not knowing, right. It's like how much that you don't know and exploring, not knowing and, yes. and what that can give to you. Big time. Uh, I think agnosticism is actually probably, you know, the most wise stance in a sense, you know, I don't know ism. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful, um, I used to say that like, Oh, I'm an agnostic, but I genuinely, I like, I, dude, this conversation can absolutely from this launch point forward could easily launch into, um, you know, spiritualized jargon and mad shit. Cause this is totally my avenue at, at the moment at this point in my life, or has been at least for the last four or five four years you know and yeah and it's a hugely important part of my life just spirituality the work around self-acceptance and mental health and for me addiction recovery as well you know this this has kind of been a huge yeah it's just it's the center point of pretty much all all things everything even for me creatively at this point is like coming coming from the space of yeah, forgiveness of myself after years of beating myself up and um, being out on the road, doing lots of alcohol and drugs and now not doing that anymore. And what does that do for you? And what do you do with your life? And what do you want to say as a, as an artist, as a musician? Like that's all changed for me massively now um, the last four years. And, you know, it's what nice. was the what was the trigger to to take a different avenue? So I've been in like many relationships with, with people and um, romantic relationships, I mean, but also just business mm. and friendships and stuff like that. And I, and I noticed just strong patterns of, I, I say I noticed, I didn't, it had to be told to me. People said, Harry, you're, you're, you're out of line <clears throat> in this way, yeah. or that way. You're, you're kind of, you're taking the pace a bit or you've really hurt me, or I'm really worried about you, or, you know, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, for years, I would just be able to go, I would just blame the, per the person and say, ah, fuck them, that's that's bullshit. But eventually, you do enough damage around you, and you start seeing the repercussions of that, and the lost friendships, and the lost relationships, and the hurt people, and you're hurt yourself, and the denial is so strong that eventually you just kind of go, it, it, it just breaks. And so, you know, I was in a particular relationship at a particular time, and it was very dysfunctional. And it kind of just, I couldn't really hide the fact that it was, you know, I'm part of the problem, you know. And so that was about four years ago, and it kind of, it stopped me in my tracks and made me consider uh, you know, going into recovery mode and, and trying to recover the person I'm supposed to be, whatever that means, you know, mm. just stop being self-centered and, 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 you know, manipulative and, and 
addicted and unfortunately to, to substances i had to just stop and best thing i've ever done rebirth you know it's it's been mm. the best thing that's ever happened to me to be honest um i i can imagine like I have images in my head and I imagine people who are listening would as well. You know, we've all kind of seen the movies, we've seen the, we've heard the stories, the the sex, drugs and rock and roll and everything that goes with it. Um, I imagine you, to, to a certain extent you had your fun, but it had to stop as well as you imagine, as you said, like it had very dysfunctional um, consequences. Um, I'm interested to know what, what this spirituality looks like for you and how you're working on it. Um, one thing that confused me in the past was uh, the idea of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be faith that, you know, the the week is going to go well or whatever it is. Um, and I realize now that faith is not something that you, you can just have. It has to be something that you work on. I think anyway, for me, yeah. Um, so I imagine there's 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 work involved in your in your spirituality. What does that work look like? It's a great it's a great point, Mark. I mean, there's a, there's an actual a, a, a sort of famous phrase that's used in um, recovery circles, which is faith without work is dead. Mm. That's, actually, that's actually the phrase, and and yeah, okay. faith. I mean, belief, um, connection to something greater than yourself, um that's how I have to live my life. Uh, if I want to get out of the idea of being a, uh, a self-centered obsessed with myself type of person, I, mm. so for me, acts of service, um, reaching out to, 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 to people who are struggling, uh, sharing, honestly, you know, the idea for me of spirituality is connecting with the deepest part of, of, of being, you know, the very mm. fact, the very fact of us being in this conversation right now and connecting to the essence of, of what we are beyond the names that we are given at birth, beyond, you know, Harry and Mark, it's like trying to connect to that presence. You know, you can call it God, you can call it consciousness, you can, uh, awareness, you, you can call it Christ within, you can call it the Buddha within, you can call it inner loving parent, you can call it, you know, mm. um, presence the now um i mean i just think this has many many different names and they're all kind of conceptual things or words that are trying to put words f the 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 ineffable it's something i can't really describe and yet for some reason you know what i'm talking about and yeah the, the god word you know god it's that it's it's the same as me as it in you as it is in me and it's everything or it's nothing it's it's the paradox of living and, and I'm, I try to connect to it and it's, and it's where I try to write music from these days. Yeah. And the way I connect with that is by trying not to think and it's just to be, you know, mm. um, slowing down and, you know, consciously bringing breath into my life, taking pause. That's, that's all the stuff for me. That's, that's what it's about that's what being alive is about or at least connecting to that and knowing that that's there that's my cushion for existence that's why i i i can lie back into this space of it's okay because that space is totally fine no matter what even if you're going through the most crazy shit ever and and i'm sorry to hear about your parents dying you know that's that's mm. really tough that's really really mm. tough mm. 
you you as a human being like we as human beings will feel the pain of that that's that's mm. extremely painful to go through right but the consciousness part of us the bit that just lies in the background it just is there and it's just does it it's it's totally grand it loves mm. us no matter what it seems to just be this calm presence that sits there and just kind of goes yeah you know it's not it's an un, it's an, an unvoiced presence it's a sense of like it's okay no matter what you know mm. there is pain there is pain yes there is pain mm. feel it feel that pain because if you feel it i promise you you will feel better that's kind of what i kind of stick with now because like uh, the addiction thing is there is pain and i don't want to feel it there is discomfort and i don't want to feel it so i'm going to numb out and take drink and drugs and i'm going to mm. I can't, I don't like myself and I don't like my, the, the thoughts, the addiction thing is basically you're addicted to your mind, your thoughts. You think that you are your thoughts. You believe every word that comes into your head as being you. And my understanding of a higher power or spirituality is that's not you. The mind is not you. It's a beautiful mm. tool, you know, or the, the phrase, the mind is a terrible master wonderful slave but a terrible master yeah. you know and yes let the mind do its job as being the conjurer of thought and you know conceptual ideas and problem solving and you know whatever it is that it needs to do but don't let it be you it's not you and that's mm-hmm. what the, what do you mean you know when i say that like a part of me goes what the hell are you even saying and it's like, it's like, exactly. Well, the part that's saying that doesn't like this type of conversation because it has to die to have the experience of being, to be present, the mind has to die. Um, so this, I told yeah. you, as I said, <laughs> as I said <laughs> the launch pad for this type of conversation, it was there and, and I could talk to you about that for the rest of my life because it's, it's the yeah. most, I think it's the most interesting thing about humans that is so blatantly right there in front of us and that if you if you're not thinking about it at least once a day you're you're missing out because you could feel so much peace we could all feel so much peace if we just connected to that inner place um, yeah here's why i think it's important to have these conversations um i think people need it i i think um you know i think that aspect of the unknown and time that we give to it like some people are great at it, don't get me wrong. Some people manage it like geniuses. But especially younger people, there's so much happening, you know, in a person's life, or at least it seems that way because of technology. Um, because of, you know, the, how many WhatsApps you're getting every day, you know, you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, your mind has zero time for that self-reflection because I guess this, this all starts with self-reflection um like your avenue to this started uh, it was triggered maybe by people saying things but there was a moment where you 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 looked upon yourself and you go wait hang on um and that that moment arrives in every person's life i don't i don't care yeah who you are there is a moment where at least at least hopefully you're gonna go okay where am i going who am i what's it all about and I just think that a bit like what you said, there's, there can be, and I, I can't say that I have found that comfort of, let's just call it the, that, that consciousness that you spoke of, of 
you know, you're loved and everything's okay. And yes, there's pain, but you know, there's this like, let's say a beautiful place. Um, for me, that's, it's hard. I have, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's, there's two different rooms, let's say of like there's there's one consciousness and then there's the reality that we're in. Um, but I think people are, should explore these things. Um, and I think let's just keep it, I guess, to Ireland as well at the moment. If there is, there's the possibility of forgetting that that's important, you know, because we have a, a culture of going to the pub, going, you know, out, forgetting yourself. And I'm very much part of this as well. Sometimes where, as you said, those thoughts, it gets a bit stressful. You know, you'd, you'd use the the term, I, I just need a blowout, you know, mm. and then I'll be, then I'll be better. I need a lot to of that get exists. out of my mind. I need to get out of my mind. Oh, I was out of my mind. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, that's, there's a lot of wisdom in what that is. You're saying like, you want to get out of the identification with your mind. You think because you think you are your mind and you're, you're losing your, yourself into your thoughts, you know, um, you know, I'm aware with this conversation, it can get very, can sound very convoluted and crazy. It's really yes. not. It's super simple. It is actually sim- simple. Mm. Well, what I like to do is, um, because, because it is, it, it can sound, as you say, convoluted and, and these, these types of things. But I like to try and think of what are the practical things that you do? I mean, speaking from my own point of view, I, I, I use the word try because every day is different. For example, today I haven't had time to do anything, but you know, I try to do things like, I think for first and foremost, exercise is important. Then I'm trying to meditate. I, I do the Wim Hof method. Uh, sometimes I don't know if, if for people listening to that, it's basically cold water exposure and breathing methods and that type of thing. Um, but there, let's say there, I'm, I'm also actually, since I had the conversation with Queen Abara, she was like, oh, I do these morning pages and I just force myself to write three pages. So since I've, uh, spoken to her, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give that a go. Um, so I've introduced that as well. These are the practical things that, that I do. Um, and I'm, I'm playing around with the idea of, of prayer again as well, but I don't know what I'm doing with that yet. Um, it's, that is, uh, I'm in the discovery, discovery stage of that, but I'm wondering what you do in terms of the practical things that, that you can do to manage this aspect of yourself. It's mm, a lovely question, Mark. Speaking on the idea of prayer, you know, Irish Catholics, Irish people generally to close down with the idea, like we all have some form of trauma around that usually to do with having had to say stuff at school, mm. you know, the way that it's taught and all that stuff. And so it, it can be something that closes you down, it closes me down for sure. But it's like affirmations. It's like, it's something I don't have to say the word God to, to pray. You know, it's like worrying is a form of prayer. It's just not a very good form of prayer. Mm. Worrying to yourself is kind of going like, oh, sh- I mean, oh God, this is going to happen. And then this, and then, and then I could do, and then this person said this, and now oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. You know, that's actually, <laughs> a, 
it's a kind of an, a weird way to think about it is though it is actually a form of prayer you're, you're putting it out there like indulging in that if you change if for me i change it and i try to go like i, I put my hand on my heart right mm. try and ground myself and i feel mm. my heartbeat and i'll breathe slowly and i'll say i will say to myself it's okay and i'll say something like consciousness higher higher power god inner love whatever you are i don't even know if you're there but if you are there i'm here i don't know what i'm doing with myself in my life right now please direct me grant mm. some kind of peace of mind you know grant me some kind of serenity here i need i need some clarity in this moment i don't expect you to deliver this to me right now but just that fact the very fact that i'm even engaging in this is an act of humility you know i'm 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 putting myself in this position of I don't know, please direct me. Mm -hmm. And, and I, what I like to try to do is ask for how I can be more honest, more open-minded, more willing to engage in, in, in difficulties in the sense of like not running away from my problems and mm -hmm. how can I be more trusting of myself and others. Uh, how can I be forgiving of myself and others like these are, if, if i ask certain questions they elicit feelings and they elicit sort of sort of answers like am i being honest like mm. am i being honest i don't know maybe I've, I, i'm i'm tricking myself I've, I've been pretty good with denial in the past there's is a there's a possibility that i'm not being honest with myself even asking that question creates a huge amount of freedom for me mm. you know am i being open-minded i think so but Possibly not. Possibly there's things that I have limited thinking around. Am I willing to get uncomfortable? Maybe, hopefully, because I know that through discomfort, I usually find some kind of solace or solution. I find something by, by leaning into something that's uncomfortable. For example, financial issues are a problem for me right now. Mm. You know, am I willing to go into the space of saying I need help? Uh, I'm in the willing to go to the space of doing the action to, to make something change in this, or am I just going to stay in this in a form of self pity and say, poor me, it's really hard. I don't have any money, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm. I can do, I can indulge in self pity for, for about five minutes and, and it doesn't feel very good. Like, and then at 10 minutes, it feels way worse an hour. Late. Like I can do it for days. It doesn't mm. create solutions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking for solutions in my life today and breath, the Wim Hof method, cold showers, um, you know, exercise, yoga, meditation, ch talking with others, being honest, being vulnerable, uh, trying to share from the heart. I'm having this awareness as I'm speaking right now that anyone that will listen to this will just be like, oh, there will be someone that inevitably is like, oh, what the fuck is this shite? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm, And as I'm speaking, I'm saying to myself, Come on, Harry, like rein it in a bit. You want to make this a bit cooler now. Come on, you're, you're supposed to be this lad from this band, you know, just start talking a bit more directly about real things. Uh, this for me, this is real. You know, this is the most real thing is the connection to the inner world, the connection to the space of honesty and um, trust in, in something greater than myself that I don't know that you and me here having this conversation, someone might, the, the, the other side of it is someone might listen to this and go, Oh, this is this is cool. This is yeah. This is help helping me. But I don't know that. I don't. It's not that I expect that it will. I don't think that me saying something will help someone. What I've understood or I've noticed is like I hear people speaking honestly, and something moves for me. I start to change my perspective, and I I open myself up, and I realize 
oh, I'm being a bit, I'm not that honest. That person's being really honest. And it gives me freedom. You know, I start to, to let go of limited ideas around who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And who are the people around me? And am I being honest with them? Do I really, if I say I love this person, do I really love them? Because if I really loved them, I would just tell them what they, what I feel and mm. wouldn't keep dragging them along. You know, a big problem for me for years was just people pleasing. Still is. Mm. I still struggle with it. I just say yes to things when I needed to say no. Um, or I was too scared to say no, because if I said no, they would leave me, you know? So a lot of my mm. behaviors were rooted in fear were slash are still sometimes rooted in fear. And I'm trying to change that to be rooted in, in from a space of love. Yeah. And I think reminding, I think the reminder to yourself that like you, you're like, you said it already, but we're doing okay. You know, like I don't, I, will we ever reach a point where all of what we do is, is just pure, consciousness and not in any way rooted in fear i think you know there's very few people who have managed to if anybody reach those those levels i think the human the human situation is incredibly complex um and i think anybody listening to this like the first thing the, who might be you said that some people might be you know struggling with this type of conversation maybe if if you harry had listen to this as the as an 18 year old heading off to london you would have been like what the fuck is this shit you know but you know it, it is my it is my belief that there comes a time when people need to hear these conversations so that person in a moment might go no not for me but at another moment 10 years down the line they might be like this is it's a human condition nobody's exempt um and i think there will come a time in your life that this type of thing is important to deal with. For me, it wasn't like I said to you in, in my twenties. I, I couldn't have been more anti all of all of this type of stuff. But look where I am now. I've come almost full circle. Mm, I just think as a culture, you know, now we're going to the territory of really just totally just wild opinions here. But brilliant. You believe that as a culture, what's needed is more quote unquote spirituality or whatever like we it's it principles that are lacking in our culture seem to be forgiveness is a big one just like mm. you need like you need to forgive other human beings like like and yourself you know like i i need to say i forgive you harry like you you are doing your best yeah uh, and i need to forgive harry right like i have to say harry it's okay mate you know, somebody once told me, like, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said you love yourself, Harry? And not in the sense of like, oh, he loves himself. Like, Harry, I love you and I got you and everything is OK and I, I will always be there for you. Have you ever done that? And I didn't. I hadn't done it. And I did it. And, and it made me cry. It made me like it was so mm. it was so moving. I was like, oh, my God, what, what am I looking at? Who am I looking at? Who is this person saying this to this? What is this energy within me that is telling me that I that I'm here and I love you, you know? And the same goes for you know the opposite side of the debate in all the different political stuff that's going on in the world is like i forgive the people who i'm supposed to be ideologically against because why would i be in why would i want to hold resentment and i think the the whole cu culture of 
trying to put a pit us against each other is 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 part of why there's so much anxiety it's like i don't want to be hating people who are against some particular political thing that i'm that i claim to be for mm. because i have to understand them they have particular yes. culture world circumstances that bring them up to have that particular belief and maybe they had a, a particular type of family upbringing you know where this thing happened to them and like i've no idea on an individual basis why someone would not like you know to vote for this person or that person or vote for this type of constitutional amendment or this or the other and for me it doesn't do me any good to say in a sticky sort of hatred and resentment it's way better for me to go right oh yeah cool that's you that's that's your thing i forgive you for your humanity you know and um, mm. that gives me peace to be honest it just i do feel a lot more peace for that i used to be a lot more stuck up in my head about feeling like i'm right and you're wrong and there was a certain sense of <sighs> something fixed about that like you feel okay oh now i'm at least at least i'm right you know, whereas nowadays I'm trying to say to myself, I don't know everything. I don't know anything at all. I'm not right. I'm probably more wrong than I am right, to be honest. Um, and the other person on the other side of this debate has their own shit going on. The reason that they have this opinion, I have no idea. And it's okay that they do. And if we can accept that, we're probably going to have a much better kind of conversation, you know? Absolutely. If if in the first place you're unwilling to listen, then we we have big problems, um, and that's where where bigger problems that we're going to solve today have have come from. But um, you are going to solve all these problems together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think another reason why it's important to know, like all of these things that that you're going through, why it's important in your life, this aspect is of spirituality, is because. For me, when I'm I talking to a musician or any creative person, I often think the piece of art often speaks to its for itself and, and becomes a different thing. Like a song is not, you know, you, a song, I will interpret a song in, in a way that maybe you didn't even intend it to be interpreted. It's just the way I think art can work. Mm. But I'm interested to know about where it comes from, the source, the root of that thing, and getting to know the, these aspects of your spirituality, the what's happened in the past, you know, in your 20s. I, I think for people listening, we can get a little bit of a better understanding of, of your creative process, because at the end of the day, when you sit down with a pen and paper or however you do it, it has to come from, from very much within uh, and what's going on with you at the moment. Um, I saw that you have you have a little solo project going on at the moment called Ladybird Lad. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that's that's on the horizon for you? Is that is this what you're working on with your spirituality and stuff? Is that involved in 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 what you're doing? Or uh, I would say yeah, big time actually. Yeah, the 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 Ladybird Lad project. So it's it's kind of. Hudson Taylor is on a break, right? We're we're, yeah. we're on pause. It's not we didn't officially ever announce that, you know, but it just it just sort of naturally ended up like that. And I've had tunes for days that I've always wanted to release. Um or mm. work, you know, that I just that I like, but I also have ones that have been writing more recently. And they didn't make the cut for Hudson Taylor for one reason or another another. 
Mm. Um, I'm also a good singer. <laughs> like I, <laughs> like I'm, okay, I'm an okay singer. Whereas in Hudson Taylor, there's not really anything that I sing the lead on. Um, mm. I've been providing harmonies for all that time, and so I've been having a nice time living in Berlin and getting to try out music that I've written myself. Um, I go to a lot of open mic nights here and just like basically just road test material. Um, and the ladybird lad, what that's about is basically like, I like ladybirds or ladybugs or the Irish that we call it Boeing J, which I love, which means God's mm. little cow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Boeing J lad was, you know, I was thinking to call myself that, but it felt a little bit too um, niche. Yes. Um, and the idea of calling it something that isn't my name is also just because of Hudson Taylor. Like my, my actual full name is, is Harry Hudson Taylor. Yeah. And I kind of want to just make a little bit of a separation between what I do as an art form for me and my past and the, that whole thing. You know, I think of the example for me is like villagers. I'm like, oh yeah, well that's Connor O'Brien, amazing songwriter. Um, mm. I love the idea that that person's just, that you just think of villagers. I'm like, okay, cool. Ladybird lad. I don't know what it conjures for other people, but for me, it's just, it's got a naturey kind of element to it. Um, where the idea came from is like, I, I literally was, here we go back to the spirituality shite, but, um, <laughs> I was in a park in Berlin and I was meditating. Um, yeah. and, and I woke up from the meditation after about 20 minutes and I was covered in, in, in ladybirds, in ladybugs. Wow. It was like, they must've been like the mating day or something, but they were genuinely all these different colored ones. And then the same day I was walking back to my apartment and I found a clipper lighter with mm. a, a ladybird on it. And I was like, this is weird. And then mm. I went home the same day and I was like, oh, I, I always wanted to get a tattoo on my wrist that I could see when I'm playing guitar. Mm. and i drew this this thing right and it, it, to describe what it is it's basically it's a guitar plectrum shape and um, yeah and with a little um little bit of spiritual symbols on it uh guitar plectrum shape and it's a ladybird and i just drew it I don't, i'm not an artist and i but it's just like this looks kind of cool i kind of like this um so i got it as a tattoo about three weeks later um and then the day i got the tattoo uh the tattoo artist afterwards was like do you want to come to a a poetry workshop this is the middle of pandemic and i was like i don't think i was supposed to even be getting a tattoo i think it was illegal but mm. so i was like cool my my edgy berlin tattoo artist is inviting, <laughs> is inviting me to a poetry workshop in the middle of the pandemic I'd fucking like underground that. poetry workshop yeah, i like so it i was thinking so i was thinking i was like yeah man i'd love to i'd love to and he just goes right cool yeah i'll send you the zoom link <laughs> <laughs> It was like the winter of 2021 and um, 2020, 2021. And I sat on Zoom and I met my partner who I'm now with. Mm. So all of this happened because of a ladybird. Um, wow. I was like, I'm going to follow this. And I always liked the Irish thing. I like the Boeing J, God's little cow. I think that's mm. cool. Yeah. Every culture, every culture around the world has some kind of um, name for that creature that's spiritual. A lot of them, really? a lot of cultures call them like, uh, like Mary, like something to do with Mary, like mm. same, like, or like a lucky, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a lucky, it's a lucky creature. And I love it. I think it's the most beautiful thing. Every time I see one, see one, uh, they kind of rouse a spirit through me. Like, I, do you remember, um, when we're growing up, 
we had like Penguin p- publishing books, and then there was Ladybird, mm. Ladybird publishing. Yeah. So all of the be- the kids' books I had as a kid, I used to have like a bookshelf where there was like, you know, fifteen or twenty of them. Those like you got in a big pack. Mm-hmm. I always remember the connection between storytelling. So my parent telling me a story at nighttime with this book that had a fucking ladybird on it. And then mm. you'd go out into the playground or into the park and you'd see one of those things. You'd be, oh my God, it's the ladybird, you know? So for me, it's a cute little creature and it, it represents what I'm trying to do, which is, you know, make music that's kind of got some <sighs> rootsy, pagan, androgynous, psychedelic, indie kind of feel about it. And yeah, and that's kind of the Ladybird Lad thing. I've got music on the way. I mean, in the sense that I'm I'm writing and recording it. I'm trying to self-produce, mm. uh, which is really hard, by the way. <laughs> self-production. I can imagine. Yeah, self-production is so much harder than uh, like I can produce stuff for other people way easier than I can do it for myself because it's hard to be uh, objective. Yes. Yeah. Um, I imagine it'll just you know take it'll be a process for you. Um, is there any kind of date that we can expect to? To hear that stuff. How, By really, the way, the, the description they gave of it was fantastic. Takes all my boxes anyway. Looking forward to it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's there's no date per se. Like I'm just trying to listen. I, I released music with Hudson Taylor for, for, for the guts of 13, 12, 13 years. It's my entire yeah. life. The last album that we released, I'm so happy with. Genuinely, it's the most happy I've ever been about anything creative that we've ever done. And I'm sad that we didn't get to kind of tour it properly that much. And yeah, the pandemic really took a hit on us and it's been really tough. It was been really tough to kind of keep it going as a business. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But basically, I'm just sit- I'm sitting on my hands a little bit to wait because I don't want to. I don't want to have the thing of like, I regret this. I should have done more. I'm not going to be a perfectionist, mm. but at the same time, I don't want to release something until I'm like, no, I'm happy with this. This, this is my statement of intent. This is where I mean to go out from here. Um, mm. I've got oodles of tunes. I'm really excited to play them. Um, the only thing I can say is at the moment, like, yeah, please, if you want to, if you're interested in it, please, you know, do the most boring thing ever and just follow it, you know? So yeah. it's, so it's like people see it and they go, oh, this guy's got some numbers. He must, something must be going on. That's one of the things yeah. that I spent years with Hudson Taylor, like, oh, your man, like, look at him. He's got so much numbers on social media. But now to try and tie all of this together for a sec, Mark, like mm. I, I love music i love making music i love presence i love being in the presence of people making music i love connection to the authentic space of humanity i love being vulnerable i love being a part of awakening everyone to be the most fullest forms of themselves by that i mean just spreading love kindness attempting to be extending myself beyond the screen right we're fucking you and i are having a conversation on zoom and mm. it's like i'd love to have been here in dublin I'd love mm. to be able to have a chat with you. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. And social media has like, is the, is the reason for the existence of, of my career. I built the whole thing through that. And then at the same time, I had this huge dichotomy with it because I hate it. It's, yeah. it's so insincere sometimes, you know? And so I'm trying to 
cut through that a little bit and get out of my own arse and just like try to make things that I love and care about. Mm. I'm still crippled with it. What will they think kind of mentality or, oh, I can't do that. You know, my perfectionism stops me from doing something spontaneous, you know, and it's tough. It's because I had years and years in the music industry while the whole social media thing was exploding of people saying to me, these older like A&R men and stuff going like, you need to just rein it in, Harry. You're not, you're, you know, you can't, you can't do your lucky, your happy go lucky cutesy shit that you were doing when you started on YouTube. You have to be all serious. Mm. Uh, it's taken me a really long time to try and deconstruct that and, and, and no, be myself. Cause actually yeah. like, in Hudson Taylor, I can't, I can't really be myself. Unfortunately, it's just, mm. it, because it's not me, it's me and my brother and it's a band that we built up. And the idea of Ladybird Lad for me is like, I'm going to just be me now. Thanks. I'm going to just do my thing and I'm going to talk about all this mad shit and whatever. If people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. But yeah, you can see that you can see within me the, the hip, hypocrisy or the kind of the dilemma because it's like, I want to be authentic, but then I'm also like kind of perfectionist a little bit, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can also see how you ended up where you are now. And like going back to, you know, heading over to London at such a young age and, you know, probably you looking back, you realize this now that those A&R guys or, or whoever it was, from their point of view, they were like, listen, we've got these two seriously talented lads from Dublin coming over. Um, we're going to guide them the way we see the music industry going, et cetera. So, and... Got it wrong. <laughs> that, well, well, at that age, uh, you were obviously like, happy days. Yes, sir. I'll do anything you want. Like, because we're going to be... Well, we're, we're famous. We're playing tours in the US. We're we're doing all of this kind of stuff, but I guess there does come a point from, especially as an artist, you have to start, like I can imagine it creating that kind of maybe self doubt, self hate, everything that goes along with it. So that is perfect feel for writing songs. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. You talk, you talk directly to that part and you go, no mate, you know, you're enough. Um, whatever they said, it's not, that's not reality. The reality is that you're enough just the way you are, you know, mm. and cheesy shit like that makes great songs. <laughs> yeah. Remind, yeah. Reminding myself that it's okay, mate. Again, I, I, the same theme, I keep coming back to the same themes in this conversation, but it's like, you know, it's okay, dude, accept yourself. And, and if, if I'm writing from that place of a love and inner love, it transcends um like i can write about relationships and with other people and romantic relationships and all that kind of stuff and that's grand but for me the place that i try to i try to write from if i can and usually it's when i'm not trying is being not not being harry being something that cares enough about him and cares enough about being present that you know i mean i'm choking up on my own words here because i, I again my 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 mind is telling me that i'm being too much you know <laughs> um, 
yeah i'm in this moment as i speak getting attacked by an inner critic that says stop 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 you're you're being too much this voice that was fed to me over the years by by various different people just just rein it in harry stop being yourself you know you're you're, you're you, whatever that is that you're doing right now, it's too much. It's too mm. much. Um, so being kinder to myself is how I try to heal that, you know? Yeah, I guess every time that voice comes into your head, I see it as a, a, an amazing opportunity to give yourself some, it's like a reminder, like it's like an alarm clock, you know, as opposed to taking that voice seriously. You go, oh, yeah, thanks. I'll just give myself a little bit of a, a pat on the back here or whatever. And actually, I'll just keep going on with with what I want to do and, and how I want to express myself and, and these types of things. So thank you, inner critic. Thank you. I hear mm. you. There's usually some kind of really distressed and painful thing that's going on for, for you to be really hard on yourself like that, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I say, oh, wow, inner critic, you must be, you must be having a really hard time. That must have hurt a lot when someone said that, that you were too much, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I know a lot of these answers to these questions I've given are, have been way off there somewhere over on the left of field, but, um, I love it. Um, personally, I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed the conversation um before we finish there's a couple of things i want to ask you before we finish but um whenever you're back in dublin it would be great you know if we can ever you know have a coffee or whatever it might be um it it would be really cool um the what what kind of where i wanted to go is and and, and normally we we kind of talk about these topics quite a bit on 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 the podcast i haven't really asked you much about it but why why berlin Dublin, Berlin. I was just like just <laughs> three, you know, two syllables and uh, L I N. I just, it just, it worked, you know. Um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I, I, I guess I had that little bit of foundation in, in having done German in school, and always found myself, you know, desiring to come to Berlin. And then with Hudson Taylor touring, we used to come here once a year. And I think in 2018, I was here and I met a German girl and I ended up in a relationship with a German and it was a long distance relationship. So I was coming back Mm. and forth to Berlin a lot, 2018, 19, 20. And as I said, at the start of the conversation that I ended up in Berlin when the pandemic started. Okay. And so I just stayed and that's why mm. we're, I mean, and, and I've since fallen in love with it. I since have found community here um, and it's been beautiful. Um, it's the hardest winter I think I've ever had this winter. It, it, oh, really? didn't, it didn't let up. There was like zero blue sky at one point for six weeks. Mm. So I've been, I've actually experienced three winters in Berlin and people say like, why just get the hell out of there? Um, I'd love to be able to go back to to to, to Ireland uh, more, um, but it genuinely is just down to finances and a lack of. Um, I don't. We don't have a family home there anymore, so it's it's mm. it's kind of heartbreaking to be honest. I would live. I would live in Ireland in a heartbeat. I would live in Dublin, where I'm from, if I could. 
Um, mm. I would live, but I would genuinely live in Ireland, in Ireland if I could. But it's too, it's too expensive for me. I can't, I can't yeah. afford it. It's, it's probably in some capacities, it's about half the price here. Do you know? Like the re- wow. like it's more expensive in Berlin, but it's, but in some ways it's about half the price. And that is the big thing for me. If I was working in some tech job or whatever, like, you know, cool, grand, I could live anywhere. But yeah. I'm an artist, a musician, I'm, you know, scrimping by. Um, so that's why I live in Berlin as well. It just, it's affordable, you know? Um, and when I go back to Dublin, I can't, I have to crash on people's couches and all that kind of shit. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely. It is. Crazy. What a, t- what a terrible shame. Yeah. Yeah. To be perfectly like, honest. I am shame. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, the heart of the Irish man came out of me there, but yeah, it's. And if you've listened to other podcasts, excuse me, that we do. It's just an issue for everybody. You know, I, I've talked to, we actually spoke to a, a girl from Berlin who lives in Dublin now, Annie, she's a poet Um, a few weeks ago. And just, you know, it's this, this typical story. It's like, yeah, I started living here in a, an apartment with 16 other people, you know, two bathrooms. Uh, it's just crazy stuff. Um, really is. I would like to think that because it's not an overnight fix. I would just love to think that in the next 10 years we'll have, we'll have solved it. But um who yeah, knows? That comes down to the, you know, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. When the bottom one, the bottom part of the triangle, you're not going to get anywhere near a sort of form of self actualization or awakened state or love of yourself unless you have your basic needs met. And at the bottom is, you know, housing your security. Secure, exactly. 100% agree. I know it. Like, I'm going to have to move out of the apartment that I'm in right now in September. And I've already, I'm already having to think, obviously, about where am I going to move to? And it's a baseline anxiety for the next six months is going to be, where am I moving to? And I'm living in Berlin, which has a, le- a way better housing supply, but it still has the similar problems. It's like all capital cities in the world, because we've been told that it's the best thing that for you to be is to live in a city. And because we're young, that's what we want to do. But like, yeah, as soon as I can, I'm going to get back to Ireland. I'm going to live like everyone, I think, has the same feckin' wish in some capacity, which is to hit your mid to late 30s and move down to some homestead in the west of ireland with all your mates and you know start a fucking commune or whatever i don't know if that's everyone but i feel like a lot of people have this like notion about it Uh, yeah wanting to live a simpler life connected to the land being able to grow your own food uh, go for swims in the sea have community yeah sure go to the pubs hang out with people like we just want fucking simpler lives because the shit we live through on a daily basis through this this uh technology the hand the fucking phone All that stuff, it's so disconnecting. And we just want, I just want connection. I want to be connected to my fellow human beings. Yeah. I do that through music and I do it through art, but I just also love to be it to be like, I know my neighbors. I love my neighbors. I help them out. I look after their kids. That kind of, they look after whatever. You know, it's just, this kind of stuff. I'm missing that. Um, I get drips and drabs of it, but I'd, I miss, I miss Ireland. I really do. Um, mm. Recently, I went to uh, an Irish embassy night uh, organized here in in Berlin with Wallace Bird. Yeah. Uh, Quida Barra and uh, Shabzi was there. Mm-hmm. And McNamara from Heathers. And there was like, a, there's a few heads, there's a few people. I mean, Shabzi was just visiting, but there's people that live here 
and it's cool to connect. I spent the first two years in Berlin not really connecting with Irish people. And more recently, I've been like, I'm craving a bit of the crack. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Love Germans. They're just not, they just don't know what the crack is a lot of the time. They're a bit, they'll be a bit like it's stereotypical, but they can just be a bit like, okay, this is how things are happening. You're like, yeah. Hey, there's no movement here for like just <laughs> <a crack." laughs> yeah got to be just, the person that brings the crack and uh it can be an, an isolating experience without a fellow irish people around yeah that ability to talk absolute shite um i, I sometimes it, it's 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 very on the surface stuff but sometimes it's, it's very much needed as well um i can't remember if i said this story on the podcast before but uh i remember Years ago, being being at a wedding of a of a friend, and a guy that I hadn't seen in years was come. He'd come back from Canada for for the wedding, and my ex girlfriend at the time she was uh, Spanish, and you know they're much better at having these kind of heart to heart, intimate, real conversations, authentic conversations, which is what we've been trying to do for the past hour or so. So, it, you know, there's so much value in that, but sometimes you just need to. Anyway, I, I was chatting all night to this guy from, I was back from Canada and she's like, oh, how was he? He's like, oh, he's, yeah, he's great. He's like, um, what, what's he doing over there for work? He's like, oh, I actually don't know. Um, and, and, you know, does he plan on staying there for much longer? It's like, I don't know. We didn't talk about it. Like, we didn't talk about anything real. We were just talking absolute nonsense for for, for the evening. Um, and yeah. sometimes that that's good for the soul as well. Um, and I, I understand that that what you're saying about that sense of home. Um, that's been a big part of, of, of my life. And I think so many people's lives now with this accommodation issue. Um, you know, and, and you say that your family home isn't there anymore. And, you know, obviously I've experienced something similar to that as well. And it, what happens is your like uh, compass starts mm-hmm. like flicking around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the initial thing is externally, you're looking for that sense of home, right? Like mm-hmm. I actually, so my dad is from Mayo. So for whatever reason, my, my compass just went, even though I, you know, I only spent a, couple, a few summers there and we'd obviously go there every year, but for whatever reason, I started to I'd initially identify myself as what well, home is, is over there is over that way, even which is, you know, kind of crazy. Can I, I never lived there. I have family there, et cetera. But, um, it, it then, you know, through work, yes, it's, it's finding that sense of home inside yourself, et cetera. But at the same time, the lack of security around home, like I'm, you know, I'm living in, in lucky enough to be renting a house in, in Rohini. You know, we shared it, share the house and stuff, but I do know that it'll be sold at some stage, you know, it, they, that's been told to us. We don't know exactly when, but what will happen after that? Who knows? But it, to be able to, to be able to do what you're, doing to be able to do what you love and have a home sounds quite basic but it's a big challenge these days yeah unfortunately big time yeah harry um i really appreciate the time that you've that you've given um it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you um and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing what's on the horizon, dude. It's a pleasure to chat with you, and and I look forward to meeting you in Dublin. Um, for sure. 
yeah, just for a hang, for for coffee or whatever. And yeah, I, I continue to listen to this as well. It just gives me the the grounding and a, a, a taste of home that I need. So appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate the 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 project. It's it's a lovely project. 